You're listening to Toronto's number one real estate podcast, powered by Watson Estates. The most successful local real estate investing starts right here, right now. Here's your host, broker, investor, and social media influencer, Bradley Watson. Good morning, investors. Bradley here from Watson Estates. It is a beautiful Monday morning, July 13th, 2020. And here we are once again on Toronto's number one real estate podcast to talk about our favorite subject, Toronto real estate. We are now number one on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts for that very subject. And we have lots of fun. And today we got a great lineup of content for you. We're going to start off with discussing this question, are realtors warning prices could face steep declines in the fall? Where do we stand on this? What is the media's pitch with as far as prices go? Do we keep going up? Is it going to come back down? And what is the real estate industry saying? And then we're going to talk about this idea of the eviction crisis looming. Are there any genuine solutions that have been placed so far? Are there any ideas on how we can fix the problem we're in today? We're going to talk about all that as it came out of a Toronto Sun article And then we're going to finish off with talking about this idea of stage three. There's going to be a big announcement today. We want to talk about what is going to be open and what will this mean for Toronto and for its local real estate market. We're having a lot of fun. Thank you for joining us every single morning. Make sure you hit that subscribe and like button if you haven't already. And we're going to continue to put out fantastic content. So apparently here at at Watson Estates, we are so busy. We even have Pizza Pizza asking us questions. (laughs) So on our website, we have a form. Most people, when they kind of comment through our platforms, they'll comment on YouTube or wherever they're following us. But this particular person who wrote their name as Passion Flaky, (laughs) which already I'm like, Passion? Okay, Passion maybe. Like Passion, I can see that as a name, but Passion Flaky? (laughs) That just sounds like a name only a realtor could possess. (laughs) So they asked me in this in their, they filled out the forms and they said, will I be hearing from you at the Toronto Real Estate Summit on July 20th to 24th? They were referring to Realosophy's putting together a summit and I checked out the link. It's from July 20th to 23rd. They got a pretty cool lineup of speakers, but no, I was not invited to that particular conference. I'm open to speaking publicly. I think it'd be a lot of fun and I, I do it often, but not for this particular one. But if you guys have some free time during, I believe that would be, what, what's the day today? We're on the 17th. I've got it in my calendar. Yeah, next week. So, through the week next week they say three four day conference go check it out it's free to register you can learn a bunch of stuff listen to a bunch of really smart people about what's been going on in our market but what i find really funny about this is his email address was pizza pizza at (laughs) google.com and you know what i thought you know what maybe it's a prank but then under phone number guys his phone number it's 416-967-1111 i called it That is Pizza Pizza's number. So I believe this is legitimate. I think it's a legitimate inquiry coming from maybe the CEO or one of the managers at Pizza Pizza named Passion Flaky. Thank you for the comment, wherever it comes from. I appreciate it. And it adds a lot of value to our listeners. And he said, I love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Thank you. I love doing it. And they found us on Google searches. Cool. Awesome. But I suppose it's true then, right? Even Pizza Pizza needs the dough. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. I know that. That was a cheesy joke. (laughs) 
And uh, yeah, no, I wasn't invited to the conference, but uh, again, thanks for reaching out and keeping us in the loop on it. And we can definitely watch. And if I'm ever invited, in fact, I actually have been trying to get a hold of John Pasalis. I know he's a busy guy. See if he would come and do an interview. I actually was able to get a hold of Richard Robbins, who will be, we'll be doing a podcast interview in the next week or so, and that'll be uploaded very soon. So we got a lot of big names, but unfortunately there's so many Big people out there, we can't hit everything all at once. So we're trying to, I guess, contribute to the overall knowledge base that is the Toronto real estate. Okay, so now Toronto.com is our article of the day. Their title reads very similar. I actually skipped over this article because I thought I'd read it. They pretty much copied, they did what I did, and they copied the title of the headline from another news article, which we have already done. And it was this, Toronto home prices hit an all-time high in June. Report, says a report. So... I, at first I saw that, I'm like, I already read that. Like, we've already talked about this. So anyways, but it, it came up that it was only launched a day ago, meaning yesterday. And I and we did this back on Saturday and the news article came out on Friday. So I, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just double check. So I zoomed into this article, which is, again, the article of the day when you look up Toronto real estate. And no, it was a completely different article. And there's some really good bullet points that come out of this. So here's some of the highlights that I grabbed. Of course, there is a lot of repetition. You know, the idea of home prices that in June they are, as the title suggests, at an all-time high. If you own real estate in Toronto, congratulations. You just popped your 2017 values in all housing segments. Realtors warn prices could face a steep decline in the fall if the coronavirus pandemic has a delayed effect on the market. So you guys know, I don't just care about the news. I care about the news everyone else is hearing too, because that creates the psychological stuff that drives people excited and frenzying and 30 multiple offers on a property, but it also gets people sitting on the sidelines, whether it's through a pandemic or through a foreign buyer tax that really shouldn't have had nearly the impact that it did, right? And we've seen that time and again. So we need to know what is the media saying? What are people, what is the message? Because just last week, the article, as I mentioned, the one we saw on Friday was a very different tune. It was this perspective of things are doing really good, right? We've seen detached homes. What do they got here? Let's look at some of the stats because they do share them here. They've got, where are we? Here's some of the numbers. We'll get to the, the stats in a second, but they've got the June high. They're talking about year over year. There's an increase of 11.9%. Yet we saw unemployment. The other article talked about this too, came down from 13.7 down to 12.3, but still obviously high from where it's been in the past. And, but of late June, CMHC's outlook to believe COVID-19's effect on the real estate market really hasn't hit yet. Where's the numbers? Here they are. Here's the numbers. CMHC, this is what they, out, so actually- Where's my numbers? There they are. <laughs> I'm jumping all over the place here. Semi-detached, 22%. They were the leader. Detached homes, 14%. I love how I got to go so far down this article just to find that. It's actually the last paragraph of the article. <laughs> but what's different about this one and why I was really wanted to highlight it and share some of the, the comments and the items in here is it's a very different tune than the other articles where they just highlight. See, in fact, this one highlights it at the end versus the other ones highlight at the beginning that the market's doing really good, right? And overall it is. Like if you just look at stats, you see months of inventory coming down, you see the prices going up across the GTA, whether that's in the city or outside the city. But this article says something a little bit different. It's a little more in line with what we've been saying here on Toronto's number one real estate podcast. They said this, this came from WE Realty broker, Odin Eccleston. This is who they commented. They said, it could come to a crashing halt. Never saw that last week. Okay. So let's dive into what they have to say. Eccleston compares the current situation to a recession when the economic impact cannot be calculated for at least six months after the inciting event. Not the same reasons I would give, but still valid. 
And then they said this, that's when the effect sinks in. But what I agree with is the second point they have here is this idea of the six month deferrals on banks. Those mortgages are due, they mentioned in this article, so people are starting to hear it, September and October, right? We did the quick math, you know, calculate that six months. People say, you know, it's good. The way, if you submit, okay, we're gonna have six months of deferrals. People, the way people look at that is, is later, is later. Right? It's not right now. It's later. I got, I'm okay. I got enough. I got enough money coming in now. I, got, I don't have to pay my mortgage for another couple of months. It's fine. It's later. Now we're getting to a point where it's July. We are within two, three months of this thing coming due. And so you're going to start to see more dates, right? We're going to see some more keen dates. And here's one right there, September and October. But this is a very interesting point as well that I've been making for some time. If you've been following us, you know, but I have not seen it anywhere. I don't know if I'm the only one, but I haven't seen any news outlets other than here, which was really speculative. <laughs> That's why it's nowhere else because people, I mean, they want to track the facts, but I want to get ahead of the facts. They're saying unless the bank extends the deferrals, there could be a lot more supply in the market and house prices can crash. So that's the first time I've seen anyone say that that's a possibility. There's been no reference of it being a possibility. And you know where that would come from? It'd come from CMHC. They're the ones making the call. So if in fact they think things are going to go off the rails, then maybe they'll pull the trigger, but we'll see. We'll see if their actions line up with their words. But this is the first time I'm seeing it, so maybe. As September, October gets closer, let's see if more people start to stack up that question mark and if it leads to any further deferrals, which is pretty much kicking the can further down the road, on housing prices. Okay, by the numbers. So obviously I grabbed some of these numbers for you already, but I want to share with you some of the highlights. And CMHC's outlook, they estimate, just to bring it back to what, is kind of the more dire predictions that the house prices could fall to $825,000 and we're up over nine now and hit 739,000 in fall 2021. So this is why we're saying if you're buying, buy with 2022 in mind because it's gonna take that long for things to rebound. It's a long way down from the current record high which is being propped up by low supply. And that low supply existed long before COVID existed. What's the cure? What's the cure for low supply? <laughs> maybe we're going to have to start asking people to put masks on their houses or, you know, maybe we spread out the sales. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That's never going to happen. <laughs> we're still in a free market. Thank God. Except for the mask thing. That's not a free market anymore. Listings are down, right? There were 14,000 properties in sale, but you think, you oh, that could be, you know, that maybe that's a good thing. But they were down 28% from last year, right? So, but listings are down and sales weren't down nearly as much. The number of transactions were down 1.4. So we're seeing a steady dropping in the months of inventory. Big time. Just year over year. It was only a month ago we saw articles saying how we line up, our market lines up perfectly with 2019. When we look at the sales to new listings ratio, it's almost exactly the same. Well, this is a very different tune because if that's the case, we are now sitting almost 30% tighter as it relates to like we've seen a 30 percent drop in the listings that's crazy so in a matter of a month <laughs> and i've got i have we just yesterday we were negotiating with a client we sold a property and i was just kind of following up with other people you know like are you interested we're trying to see if we can get multiple offers on the thing and uh ultimately we've had some people that said this we like the home. My clients were ready to put in an offer, but they talked to their family and the family is kind of telling them not to, you know, just to wait, just to wait because prices are probably going to come down. And the realtor, first of all, is kind of like kicking it off. Like, eh, like they're kind of, you know, they're getting advice from someone that doesn't know what they're talking about. 
And I mean, I'm on the side of the seller and I'm sitting here thinking, uh, might be good advice, <laughs> but I want to sell the home. So I don't tell him that. <laughs> so one of the things they highlight too, in this article is prices for townhomes and condos only rose around 6%, right? Because we've seen double digit. In fact, in the semis, we've seen 22% increase. So, but I want to highlight this because before I say that we need to, I thought, you know what, let's go back. Because I say this a lot, but I want I wanted to really paint the picture of what has happened in the townhomes and what has happened in the condos. So townhomes right now are up. They they're up. Sorry, as of la, this past February. So if we're gonna say they're only up six percent, that's what they just said. It only rose six percent. Okay, where were we in February? Because we're in the same year. So if it's come down from you know did it come down ten percent, fifteen percent? Well, it in February. When I'm looking at the stats, with like I got my, I don't have glasses with me. I don't even use glasses. Why don't you glasses? Just because I po- I posted something so small in this article. So they are down ten and a half percent. So they were at ten and a half percent. Sorry, up in February, and now we're at only six percent. Not a big deal. And when I've looked at the months of inventory in the last week or so, months of inventory is pretty much flat for townhomes. Now, not all townhomes are the same, but it's relatively flat in the four one six. Now in the 905, townhomes were up 16.4%. So maybe they've taken more of a hit, but not really when it comes to the 416, which is the stats they're using here. However, condos, this, so to say condos and towns are only up 6% is a very different statement because the same numbers back in February for condo apartments, listen to this, 18%. Guys, this is why we've said we've seen it up to 10 plus percent drop in condo prices because they were up 18% in February, which is not nearly as exciting as the spring, or in this case, our gong show months of the year where prices are naturally higher and we're only up 6%. That's a 12% drop right there from a year over year, from a year over year. So condos and townhomes are not the same thing. Condos are on another level of difficulty right now. And we gotta be really careful because the month of inventory for those guys is rising, not super rapidly, but it is really the only segment that I'm seeing increasing months of inventory. So we got to be watching it. And that was why I bring it to the point where it's, it's pretty much a good time to sell a week ago, <laughs> but we got to be careful because if we can't sell it in the next little while, you might as well buckle up. <laughs> then they've kind of got this last comment before we move on to our next article, this idea of pools, right? CM, since the CMHC forecast is dangling the possibility of a harsh cool down, they advise sellers to offload their homes in the summer. And a lot of people are looking for pools. He said, it's like, I want to own something where I can regulate when I open and close my pool. It's funny because pools in a normal market is one of those things where if your neighbors have it, like if you're in a really high net worth area and there's a lot of pools, it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. But in a lot of areas, if you've got, I think the math on that was actually, if you've got four bedrooms up, a pool is not a bad idea. I looked at this like a year ago, but don't take those stats. I'm just saying when you got something smaller, Pools aren't necessarily as important. In fact, they can actually be a detriment because a lot of people don't want them, especially if it's like a rental property. They don't want a pool because it comes with higher insurance. And let's face it, I have enough trouble collecting rent. I don't have to have to pull them out of a drought, pull them out from drowning. <laughs> Get the pizza pizza guy to check on them when they go to deliver. <laughs> Okay. So anyways, I've been saying the same thing, right? We got to be really careful more specifically for in my mind in the low end segment, if you want to grab a hot deal on the sale of your low rise unit, then great. Yes. I would say that's more of a seasonal thing though. That's how I look at it. I'm not as concerned as CMHC is apparently, (laughs) 
But ultimately, if you do have a condo, you're gonna you are most affected because you're dealing with the low end segment. They said, and the problem now is the timelines are so tight. So if you did want to sell it, we are in. I mean, realistically, think of it like this, guys. We're in July. Okay, next month is August. September, there's often a little bit of a bump in prices, a small spike, but it is maybe 80, 90% tops of the prices that we've seen in the appreciation that comes from the spring market. Hopefully you can picture that illustration. So if you were to kind of draw a line, I'm going to kind of paint an illusion for you here. Is that what you call it? Paint an image in your minds. In the winter, January, December, very low prices, right? On a seasonal basis. As you start to enter March, April starts climbing in peaks in May, and then it starts coming back down in June, July. Now, of course, May this year has fallen where? June, July. So we're kind of in that point. So naturally, you're going to see it come down. In a normal year, you'll see that price come up again slightly, not all the way back, but a good chunk of it back in around September. But by October, it's starting to dwindle again. And the reason for that is schools, right? People looking to get their kids in school. So now there might be another small spike, but all in all, we're going to see prices seasonally start to come down. And that in combination with your next door neighbor telling you just wait, prices will come down, might spook people. Like the timing is not necessarily good either. Not to mention all of these things that are looming over our heads and keeping us up for maybe an extra five minutes before bed. I sleep really good. I'm a deep sleeper. <laughs> you have to be in this business. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. TorontoSun.com. There's an article that came out here in the last 24 hours. As they usually do, it's kind of a, a column. Genuine solutions needed as eviction crisis looms. A lot of this article, without diving too deeply into the front end of it, has to do with kind of telling the story of where we've come from, right? It's unprecedented times. We've got banks, cell phone providers, car companies, utility companies. They're all coming to the forefront and they're saying, you know what? We're going to waive late fees. We're going to offer deferral programs. We support you. We support the adjusting rates. Love us back. <laughs> As does any successful business, right? Like you got you to gotta accommodate. And first of all, you don't want to, the next thing is you don't want to get sued, <laughs> which we've seen a lot of that too. All levels of government are scrambling, right? People are living paycheck to paycheck in fields and industries that have been effectively shuttered until further notice. Now, back in March 2016, this is an interesting quote, and I never really heard Ford say this, but this apparently was his quote. If you have a choice between putting food on your table or paying rent, you're putting food on your table. The government of Ontario will make sure that no one gets evicted. We stand by that, and we're going to make sure we can take care of those people. You can't call them those people. <laughs> I love how this is a great comment. Oh, in that case, yeah, yeah, yeah. Th th those, those people. <laughs> take, take care of them, right? But the question in this article is, did that solve the problem? Did a provincial moratorium on evictions for non-payment of rent solve the problem? And he's saying, well, no. And I would agree, right? Not if you're an out-of-work tenant, grateful for the temporary relief, but wondering how on earth you'll be able to pay the rent within without income, let alone begin to face the months of accrued back rent, which is the plan here, right? This is our plan. So tenants, as much as I give them a little bit of a hard time, because I feel it needs to be, it's a, I think it's warranted. I think making fun of tenants is a little more warranted because they get they get the the people crying over them out in the out in the world, right? So over here, I'm going to try and balance out that equation a little bit. And let's face it, I'm more of a landlord than a tenant myself. <laughs> but I love you, tenants, and I feel for you. I get it. And if we're going to stockpile back rent on top of you, man, so help us God. And then for landlords, it's no better either, right? They're asked to work in good faith, and they've been getting screwed too because they've been getting no support, right? They're, I mean, assuming that this rent gets paid. Then ultimately the landlord, you could say, oh, well, the landlord's not screwed. But I, I don't know if they'll get paid. Not without government support, which we'll talk about in a second. 
So while simultaneously they're having to wonder if the tenant in question actually can't pay rent or simply feels they haven't, they don't have to because we see a lot of people promoting just don't pay rent. Like <laughs> regardless of whether you can or not, just don't pay it. After all, your overhead and operating expenses remain the same. So both parties are in a very sucky position. They're both, they both just need to sit down, have a nice pizza. <laughs> Nobody is happy. Nobody is happy. And how could you be? Right? We, this is not a good situation. But they say a true solution has never materialized. This is what he said. So we got CERB, right? We got the CERB checks rolled out. We've seen a disproportionate, this is interesting. I haven't talked about this in the podcast, but it's definitely the case where there is Toronto's low income black communities in the northwest corner of the city are disproportionately affected. If you look at the map, actually, where you see where COVID has hit the hardest, it's in those regions, the top, I think it was the top west and the top east. Many of the very same communities already historically overrepresented in the eviction applications presented to the LTB. So you're just stockpiling the issue on, on these on these people in these areas that are already affected. I can't call them these people. Not in that case. <laughs> so what now? So now we've got Bill 134, and I'm not going to get into the details of that. We talked about that a few podcasts ago. It's a good, it's a real snore fest if you want a, a way to go back to sleep. But there's a lot of content. There's a lot of info in it. And why it's important that you know is because articles like this, they don't really do a good job of explaining it, in my opinion. Because if I was just to read this, I would I would actually not know what the, what's happening here. So let me read you what they say. Any tenant who defaults on a payment arrangement could face immediate eviction without a hearing. True, but not 100%. So in practical terms, what that means is that the tenant who fell behind in April but promised to catch up in June when we all assumed life would have surely returned to some form of normalcy has no mechanism available to them to facilitate revisiting the payment arrangement if they fail to honor it by even a few dollars, they can be out on the streets. This is true, but what they're not telling you here that we've learned from looking at this document is that they actually agreed to those terms. Okay, so it's not completely true. It's not like it's like, you didn't pay your rent, therefore I'm kicking you out. It's like, no, you agreed to terms that say, if you don't pay that rent, we're going to kick you out. That's very different. It's not It's not a, a blind side. If you are saying it's a blind side, which is the argument I take, what you're pretty much saying is that you're calling the tenant stupid or dumb in relation to the person they're negotiating with because they're negotiating directly with the property manager. And is that the case? Maybe because they don't have the resources available that only being part of the LTB would give them. So I'm not saying being dumb or stupid and this is, I'm dumb and stupid in a lot of things too. You want me to negotiate a car? That's what I call my father-in-law, right? I'm not, I'm not in a position to get the best deal here. And this is the argument they're making. And, and so to say you can just get blindly kicked out, that's, that sells papers, but it's just not true. In fact, you even have to go through the LTB if you want to submit an application, even once that's all done to evict. It's not like you're just kicked out on the street. On the flip side, landlords are also being affected, right? There are not, some of them are not faceless corporate ent entities, just Many are smaller scale investors who might not own, own a few condos as long-term investments. They are likely already feeling the impacts of the COVID recession, as they call it, and not receiving that rent could be equally damaging. So they need to rent too. So I wanted to add to this article. So I this gives you an idea of pretty much saying no viable solution has been proposed or submitted and we're we're screwed based on what's happened so far. So I love how it's like is there is there a solution coming but then there's not one given. So let me give you a few predictions, maybe not solutions because I don't want to I don't want to be the the solution to all our problems. I don't think I don't think there is a solution in this mess. <laughs> if I were to be perfectly honest, but we can try our best. 
But one, some things I do think will happen is one, rental evictions are happening very soon. We're seeing stage three, which we'll get to in a second, what that will look like. We're starting to see, we've seen written into law now in our judicial system that once the emergency order ends, eviction ban ends. So if stage three is next, we're getting close and things seem to be lining up very well that this is going to happen very quickly. Number two, I believe very strongly Every month, I believe it more and more strongly that the government will need to pony up more money to cover this amount outstanding or due. What's happening when they're crying poor right now, like you owe X amount of dollars in your rent. That's not necessarily a bad thing to have in the media. And it's because for those landlords out there that are getting absolutely screwed, even though you feel like it's like, oh, well, they're, they're pointing fingers that I'm the one that didn't really get to collect rent and I'm the one getting screwed here. Well, the louder the tenants can scream that they owe that money and that there's no protections in place and they are the loudest voice, the more likely you're going to have a government step in. And we've seen that in other provinces where they have had huge backlash now with people that are on the, on the edge of being evicted. And ultimately, the government stepping up and saying, okay, we're going to help you cover and we're going to come up with a system. We're going to fix it. So I think you're going to see government support there where it should have been probably four months ago, five, six months ago, wasn't. But you, I think you're going to see it. I think you're going to see it. Let's move on to stage three. What does stage three look like in Toronto? Well, I see some cool articles like the Canada's Wonderland and other amusement parks start to get ready for opening day. They're excited for stage three. We got TIFF revealing plans for 2020. Apparently, they want to have a mix of physical and virtual events for screening, red carpets, press conferences, and industry talks, film cast reunions, and Q&As. Let's keep those Americans in America. <laughs> I'm good with that one. <laughs> I love you, Americans. I love, I love, I feel like if you say Americans, it's kind of like rude. Is that a rude thing to say? I love you, Americans. <laughs> I love you, USers. And then we've got this article from Narcity talking about this idea of patios in the middle of the streets. I think this is great. People are finally getting the chance to go back to their favorite eateries, right? Things are reopening, but they need to be on patios. Well, in, on July 11th news release, the city announced that it would be launching the Cafe TO program and application blitz, which would help identify where restaurants can expand their outdoor spaces and make the application process faster. They've already closed 47 lanes and and in support of 73 restaurants across our city and they want to do more. So this is great news. Starting today, actually, they want to have more curb lane closures across the city with additional installations of outdoor spaces coming in the next week. So you're going to start to see a lot more patios. Let's keep people outside. Let's keep those cases away. So it brings me to this article, this idea of stage three came from CP24, but there's a bunch of them publishing this. You guys probably have heard by now, even just from the beginning of this article, or the beginning of this podcast, that they're going to be announcing today the reopening of stage, stage three is happening. This is our final stage, guys. We're here. We've almost made it. We've almost made it. Premier Doug Ford said this, I can confirm details about stage three will be announced tomorrow. That was yesterday. So here we go. Right? You guys will remember in stage one was in late May. Stage two was actually an, a phased in effort in June and early July. You know, Toronto was, was later. So the question is, is it going to be staggered? Stage three will follow the same staggered approach, sources told CTV News. So don't be surprised if the, the core areas that have COVID, and that includes Toronto, Peel, and somewhere else. <laughs> I can't think of where they are. There's people outside us. I think Windsor got it under control. But these areas might have this phased in approach. The next stage could involve the resumption of activities like indoor dining, bars, movie theaters, and gyms. And Tory met with Ford on Sunday and discussed whether Toronto moves to the next stage. And this is what they said. 
most political thing I've heard all day. The agreement we've got together is that we're going to be placing health first, making sure that Toronto and the surrounding area may require some different attention in terms of the timing. Very political, but in that politics, I hear this idea of a phased-in approach. I would agree, and I wouldn't be surprised if, although doors are open for people to go back inside, it doesn't happen in Toronto, and maybe this is the reason why we're seeing a lot of expansions in patios to try and accommodate and kind of, you know, soften that a little bit. It's the province's decision to make, Tory said, but I'm optimistic that they're going to see us all continue to move forward. And you know what? Here at Watson Estates, I am too. I am too. What do you guys think? I'm comfortable with the timelines. I think we're moving okay. I like to th see things reopening and I like to see cases coming down even ever so slightly. What do you guys think? Let me know in the comments. And if we enter stage three, doesn't that tell you that the emergency orders are likely to end soon here in Ontario? Potentially, I believe it was the 22nd. So as early as, you know, a week and a half from now, we will see. But We've had fun here today. I hope you guys learned some stuff and leave us a comment. Give us a thumbs up, subscribe, whatever it takes. And I will see you guys next time. Thank you for joining us. The last few months, our listeners have truly grabbed a pizza in my heart. <laughs> you just can't top my pizza jokes. <laughs> but I do apologize for the delivery. I'll see you guys next time. Take care and keep it real.